Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, through no fault of the mighty Fans First Sport Network, as uh, Darren Black, my partner on uh, Sox Pop on the Farm, number 39, we're previewing Birmingham, this podcast, uh, through no fault of their own. I mean, they rushed right over, brand new laptop, brand new hookup, brand new uh, kerosene generator, all all the stuff. I mean, it sounds like we're just like talking. It's going to end up sounding like we were just talking three minutes earlier but no we're talking like several days later uh they went and set them up with all this here and yet still somehow we're not able to quite get the visual on darren black and his magic birmingham baron's hat so this is a podcast only i'm sorry you two subscribers you are not able to catch up on the essential video uh the, the essential visuals that will make this uh birmingham baron's preview all the more entertaining but here's the thing we're gonna just get right to the metal of it because we want to talk about the, I mean, I guess you call them basically the the AAA of today's minor leagues because you know Birmingham Barons is sort of, you know, where it's at. It was where Project Birmingham was. They didn't call it Project Charlotte, uh, even though I'm sure <laughs> the facilities in Charlotte are even more dynamic. Obviously, uh, it is the uh, it is a pr- premier premier market that is probably ready for the major leagues. Uh, but no, they called it Project Birmingham, and they sent everybody to Alabama because I guess that will help the focus. I don't really know what the deal is, mm, but AA is sort yes. of where it's at. And uh, it continues to be where it's at because, uh, Darren, uh, pretty much the clear top two prospects in the organization uh, are there, especially with Oscar Colas uh, now roaming right field on the south side for the White Sox. So let's talk about those two guys. We know that uh, Colson Montgomery is going to get a little slow start to the season, but Brian Ramos isn't. Uh, and I don't know, that might even allow him to pull ahead in terms of uh, scaling a rung or two up the ladder in his absence, because both of these guys are probably going to be seeing Chicago sooner than later. Uh, yeah, um, I definitely think so. I know Colson Montgomery is getting a later start. Um, so we'll kind of see uh who that affects more either Jose Rodriguez goes up to Charlotte or Brian Ramos goes up to Charlotte. Uh, I'm assuming Rodriguez at this point, cause I think um, uh, it might as well try and keep Montgomery at short for as long as possible, since that's a bit more of a premium position, uh, especially now that there's no shift. Um, so you kind of need some more athleticism there. Um, but I think, I mean, Brian Ramos um, he did better than most in Project Birmingham. Um, but it, it was at that point, just late in the season, you know, coming up at probably not a fantastic time. Um, but he's still showing good pop. 
Uh, he had Homer in spring, which is really cool to see. Um, so we'll kind of yeah. see how it goes. I mean, for a third base product or prospects, it's kind of, uh, you know, seeing which shortstop is going to actually move to third, whether it's Lenin Sosa or yeah. Colson Montgomery. So he right now is the legitimate, you know, top third base prospect in the system. And there's not really someone that close that is currently, you know, starting every day at third. And credit to you, uh, Darren, because, you know, I mean, Brian hasn't, I mean, he pretty much hit the ground running. So, I mean, it's not the most astute to say, hey, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy because, you know, he's rocking the ball. But, I mean, you're on him early. And even as people were getting a little overhyped, including myself over uh, uh, Jose Rodriguez, I mean, you're quick to say, listen, at worst, Brian Ramos is drafting right behind him. And we see that as really continued to the point where, I mean, it may be, uh, you know, a horse race at this point to see who even gets to Chicago first, presuming they both do. Was there something early on with Ramos or there's something you're continuing to see with him that really gives you some encouragement as to what his prospects actually at the at the top level, you know, could be? Unlike some of these other guys who might, you know, really show out at a high, you know, high A or even triple A, but then, you know, you can maybe tell that they may fizzle uh, at the at the major league level. Uh, what's different about Brian Ramos? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, the biggest thing uh, is so far uh, plate discipline. Um, just from his 2019 to 21 to 22, um, he, the K rate has fallen, you know, 5% uh, just in a year uh, as he moved up and played in uh, Winston-Salem and in Birmingham. Um, when he actually went did participate in Project Birmingham, it didn't really even go up all that much from uh, his uh, uh, in time with the dash. So I will hope that it's still around kind of the high teens, um, which as we know now is a really good rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't even lose power with that. He didn't, you know, cut down on strikeouts and actually gained a bit in ISO. Um, he's not really a speed guy, uh, unlike Jose Rodriguez. And that's kind of more yeah. of his calling card. Yeah. Um, but just kind of his approach at the plate. Uh, I know Jose Rodriguez has some trouble with sliders. Um, Brian Ramos will obviously have trouble with major league sliders that he saw in spring training, (laughs) Um, but comparable to where he's at uh, his age 20 season, which was last year in high a uh, young for that uh, level, still showing good pop, improving on his strikeouts. Um, We'd love the walks to be a bit higher, but if he's still just hitting the ball that hard, um, while he's going up, it's really, you know, encouraging. That's why he's yeah. in some people's top 100 prospect list in all of baseball. Yeah. Um, not all of them, not consensus, like right. by far and away, uh, Colson Montgomery, but he's creeping up there as kind of a, uh, kind of a next up guy um, once people start graduating this year. And we love these stories. I know that with a guy like Ramos, it's sort of tough to tell. You can't slot him in and, and compare him to a guy who's drafted in the 18th round or something. Um, so, I, I, you know, I guess this is apples and oranges, but, you know, how exciting would it be? I mean, we know that the White Sox have had considerable success with, with um, getting some of their, at least their high picks into the majors. Now, whether they do much, you know, in the majors, they do, you know, they do get there. And then there's even sometimes the Danny Mendix who they, they uh, have a hunch about and, and he actually does, you know, grit his way up into the majors and now, you know, being a solid, whatever, 4A guy. Uh, Brian Ramos being a guy that just sort of plucked, you know, there no no competitive draft or anything, just you know, sort of found, got rolling, mm-hmm. didn't didn't screw up, only I guess you know encouraged and you know <laughs> improved improved him as he you know he went up the ladder. 
uh, for him to actually be maybe be a legitimate, maybe in a way that even Jake Berger won't be, you know, maybe because he'll, he'll bring a little bit more, uh, um, you know, defense or, or, or play discipline uh, to the mm-hmm. majors. I mean, what would be a real feather in the White Sox cap? It's been, it, it feels like a long time, despite, uh, despite a litany of guys we see, Andrew Vaughn, Nick Madrigal, who, who make it. Well, those guys, I mean, you know, a top five choice, a first round choice, a second round choice. I mean, you do expect, even though it doesn't always happen, you expect those guys to get there. To have a guy like Ramos sort of come in, you know, however far off the radar or just simply on the international radar and, and, and make that, you know, not even like Oscar Colas, who, you know, sort of bonus baby had played in Japan. Uh, to, to get him there, uh, I mean, that would be a real success and the White Sox would, would be able to, I mean, that's a box they haven't really checked recently. It would be, it would be nice for them to be able to do that. Yeah, um, they kind of, yeah, the Danny Mendek thing is a good example because they have those guys that are drafted late um, and they move through the system, um, uh, you know, on a, in a deliberate fashion um, and they get to the majors and like that is a win. Uh, You look at just last year, the last couple of years, Romy Gonzalez fits that description. Davis Martin fits that description. Um, as those guys are developmental wins, but they're not, you know, making or breaking a major league, you know, uh, division winning team. Uh, Brian Ramos is a type of guy that could actually do that. And Jose Rodriguez, you know, could fit there as well. Um, really the biggest outlier is Colson Montgomery is that he actually does look like the first round draft pick he was. Cause there's still lots of examples in the Sox system. <laughs> uh, like once we get to the pitching portion of this with Matthew yeah. Thompson and Drew Dahlquist of guys that, um, you know, for whatever reason, just can't, you know, fit their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And it's even especially so that it's at third, a position where they don't really, you know, find a ton mm-hmm. of guys, um, I don't know who the real last in-house prospect at third was. It might be Josh Fields, um, but don't mm-hmm. quote me on that because that was a long time ago. Um, but I can't think of anybody sooner. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, good for him. I, this is still a big year for Ramos in general because, again, they do – they have lately, last year, they've done the double-A of the majors. And if Moncada gets hurt and Berger's – you know, defense likely isn't going to improve that much, but if the bat is still holding up in Birmingham this year for Ramos, he could easily see some time there. Um, I could definitely see that as you know, he, he's a top hundred prospect. Once they get into the top 100, um, like Sands, Alec Hansen, probably they usually make it to the White Sox major Mm -hmm. league roster. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, With, with respect to the grand slam hit for the Mark Burley, perfect game i'm going to have to round shields down uh fields down and james shields down he's always rounded down uh, i'm gonna have to say joe creedy i can't think of anybody you know since really joe creedy i mean to be honest um so you know sorry uh josh fields maybe you should have stuck with quarterbacking anyhow all right um we're getting a little esoteric here we're like just taught we're we're, we're looking at the panoply of uh, options that are ahead for brian ramos which is a very delicious thing to be able to talk about but it doesn't have to do too much uh, directly with the Birmingham Barons. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to move over to the pitching side. Darren's already alluded to <laughs> it's going to get a little more challenging to listen to, but the second half of the, pos- uh, the podcast, we will discuss the pitching side of things of Birmingham where there are some positives and some, let's just call them pauses, some wait and sees. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Hang with us. 
White Sox fans, it is Sox Pop on the Farm, number 39. We are talking and previewing the Birmingham Barons uh, season upcoming. They are, of course, the stars of Project Birmingham, as White Sox have made very clear to all of you, because they hyped the hell out of that series. And hey, listen, it was good to see me and Darren both had some quibbles. Maybe I'll link that podcast. It was our off, it would qualify as our off season podcast for the minors, <laughs> where we discuss a little bit of the merits and the demerits of Project Birmingham. And I guess I'll be curious to see if they do anything. Maybe this year will be Project Winston-Salem, or who knows. We'll see, we'll see what they're coming up. We'll see what the marketing department is going to drive for the yeah, operations yeah. department, because <laughs> you know that has more to do with it than we actually want to acknowledge. Uh, let's move to the pitching side, uh, not to ignore all the other hitters in Birmingham. Let's move to the pitching side, because obviously that is, as you just alluded, that can potentially fuel even the Major League roster, if not give – the Charlotte Knights, a legitimate five-man starting pitching rotation. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen quickly because the guys in the rotation there are question marks. Uh, Matt, no longer Matthew. We did learn that from the White Sox. Just now. I think that's a new development, although he did not have Drew Dahlquist. I think they're still – well, he wasn't even on the list, so I don't know if he's still just okay with – it was like Luis Robert, call me whatever you want, whatever pronunciation you want. It can be Andrew. It can be Drew, whatever. But I think it's Drew Dahlquist and Matt Thompson now. Um uh, shaving down the pounds and shaving down the letters in the name. Uh, Matt Thompson does seem to be, you know, let's say, uh, just a, well, at least a nose ahead of Drew Dahlquist because Drew Dahlquist really seems to be, uh, I mean, he's like three question marks. Uh, he really seems like, I don't know if Crossroads even necessarily applies to him. I know at Project Birmingham, he's one guy who actually did better than he had. And he made that crazy jump from, I want to say, he jumped from low A. Well, whatever. He made a jump that was not merited and the, and they actually didn't completely <laughs> drown in two starts in Birmingham, which is a cr- extremely small sample size, but it could have gone a lot of other different ways. Um, before we get to maybe the pitchers who have uh, potentially a little um, sunnier prospects, let's just address those guys because we can't avoid addressing them. They, they were prime picks by the White Sox who have not panned out so far. Thompson does seem to have his arrow pointing more upward, but you know, what's your take on these two guys, what they need to do, and, and whether they're even going to have a chance of getting out of Birmingham this year? Yeah, um, well, I, for Dahlquist, a lot of it is just kind of command. He yeah. just needs to stop walking the amount of people that he that he is because uh, he doesn't have great stuff in order to garner a ton of uh, strikeouts at that point. Um, his you know walk rate was almost 13%. Uh, with with the dash where he spent most of his time, and that's only a four percent difference from his strike cat to walk rate, um, which is like really awful. Um, and if you're not going to be able to get guys out, you know, striking out, you have to keep them off base. Um, and if you you know can't keep them off base, uh, you can't allow homers. And he allowed way too many homers, almost two homers per nine. Um, so pretty much you know a homer a game. Uh, at that point, which isn't, you know, good, uh, especially at, at a high, high A level. Um, Thompson has better stuff in general, but he's just really inconsistent. He'll go from, you know, six innings, uh, no walks, uh, no runs, you know, eight strikeouts, seven, eight strikeouts, and then the next he'll leave after two outs because uh, he walked the next four batters or next five batters. Um, that's just kind of how he is right now. Um, but I do think it – I don't – Make or break makes it seem like they're mm-hmm. 24, 25, 26, and like they're, you know, going to retire, but they still are. This is their age 22 season. I don't think they're going to retire from baseball anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it's make or break in terms of are they going to keep uh, 
getting uh, spots in the rotation in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, if they both have five ERAs come August, um, this is when the draft class should be yeah. through the system. Maybe they have some older uh, uh, the once they push up the guys from Winston Salem or some older uh, older college guys from last year in Kannapolis right now, and they just kind of put them in Birmingham uh, to just move people back into the bullpen to see where they are. Um, I think that's what they could do with these two guys. Um, and at that point, I would maybe have a bit more confidence that Thompson could still make the majors, but we're really kind of at a spot where, um, you know, come June, if they aren't markedly improved, then mm-hmm. then maybe just even eyes off at that point. Yeah, um, we, we yeah we don't want to be too hard on these guys, of course, because you're right. These these guys, I mean, we're not talking about college arms because the college arms they've already sh- um, shifted roles, or I mean, who knows, they might be. They might be out of pro pro ball by now. Um, so, I mean, obviously we do have to preach patience, but essentially in, in cutting through it then, and, and you anticipated my next question very well, and that is uh, if they're not getting it done the way they need to be doing, or at least showing like there's even a small uh, turn of the corner, uh, it's time to examine a change of role. Not necessarily we don't want these guys anymore, of course not, but it's more like, all right, maybe there's just a way we can use you in games that's different than what we've been doing because this isn't working. Yeah, because I, I don't want to say being a reliever is easier because um, we definitely know um, <laughs> that isn't, you know, the yeah. true on its face. But um, just taken from our Reynolo Lopez example, he's a two-pitch pitcher right now. Um, though in game one, he maybe should have just thrown one pitch the entire time. <laughs> yeah, he's throwing <laughs> triple digits. 100 yeah. and 101 mile per hour fastball. Um, but that's kind of something that happens uh, when you do go from starting to the bullpen. You will gain a tick or two uh, in, in, with the fastball, though I think Raylo got like a tick or five. Yeah. Uh, like he, sure he gained did. a lot. Um, but, you know, maybe Dahlquist can kind of choose between, you know, his slider or curve, whichever one he thinks is the best one for that one two punch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matthew Thompson, he has a bit faster fastball, but maybe he just stops using the, his slider in general and just goes fastball curveball uh something like that um but we'll we'll kind of like I, I i would assume come july ish uh like after um you know people like around the all-star break after the first few months we see what they really are as pitchers uh at what would kind of be their i guess this would be their third full season though 2021 i understand why they would uh really struggle uh in 2021 um but yeah we're really gonna get into that point of are you starter reliever um or you know should we just kind of give you an opportunity to go somewhere else um and you know learn in a different uh organization and in part because we've addressed him before, and in part because you like to call him uh, Norgay and I call him Norhay, and we can't really come together on that. We're not going <laughs> to um, we're not going to focus too much on Vera, but he really is. Though he's newer to the organization, he's an old he was an older prospect, so he is sort of in that grouping too. His issue is a little bit more with uh, health and injury than it is um, his efficiency. But I think it's fair to group uh, Vera maybe there too. say this season is really going to tell. Let's hope that of the three of them, at least one can really uh, establish some footing as a starter. Cause obviously, as we've already explained in our earlier podcast, addressing the Charlotte Knights, 
the White Sox need starters in the system. So hopefully at least one of these three guys, if not all three, can get some firm footing as, as starters again, at least to get to one more level to see if uh, it's time to change the role in Charlotte and not Birmingham. Um, let's make let's let's turn a little sunnier here and look at some guys who we feel a little more confident throwing the ball in the starting rotation. Uh, I'm saying guys, really, there's just one headliner, but I want to at least root for one other guy. We'll get to him. But Christian Mena is the guy who's sort of, uh, he's the Brian Ramos of the pitching prospects because he's always, he's <laughs> yeah. sort of just lurking, but he just, you know, at the, end, at, at the end of a game, he's the one standing and everybody else is sort of like falling into the dust. Uh, Christian Mena is the guy who you could argue, you know, might be the premier uh, upper probably is the upper minors, uh, a premier starter. I mean, he's, I guess he's right there with Sean Burke and, and there might be indications that would say, uh, he might have a higher ceiling than Burke. So, uh, what do we, what are you anticipating from, uh, from Mayna, you know, this year? And he's a guy who does have some realistic hope of potentially, uh, seeing Charlotte this year with the way he's pitched at every step. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, I, I think overall and just, the comparison to Burke, I think Mania's uh, curve is probably better, the best of the breaking balls between the two. Um, but uh, Burke does throw harder. Uh, but he is, I, I want to say, like three years older. Yeah. So I don't want to like take Mania out of that. He could very well add a tick or two this year um, heading into, um, I believe, his age 20 season, which is pretty remarkable that he's already at this point. Um, and Chris Getz is saying in James Fegan's piece that he could even reach the majors this year, um, which I think is outside of the box, but um, we'll see. Um, Spicy. Yeah, basically what I want to see from him is even in his uh, DSL se- or his rookie league season in 21, the latter half of each of his uh, years, um, I guess there's only been two in both of his years, um, he, the command has kind of gone away, uh, and the fastball has dipped in velocity in the latter half of each uh, of his seasons so far. So I kind of want to just see him be consistent. I want to see his, you know, seven, eight, nine percent walk rate kind of stay the same throughout the year. Um, and I assume the K rate's going to fall in double A compared to the 30% it was in mm-hmm. high A. Um, but still being in the upper 20s would be fantastic. Uh, like a 21-22% difference between strikeouts and walks, I think would be just phenomenal for a 20-year-old in AA. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I, there hasn't really been injury issues with him. It's been more kind of physical conditioning because, again, like he was, a, yeah. his two previous uh, professional seasons were as teenagers. So, uh, like, I try to bring that up as much like remember you 18 19 could could you throw <laughs> consistently like uh, 100 yeah. innings and just kind of be the same um Go but on. yeah just uh repeatable motion making sure that he has the same control that he has in uh you know April uh compared to August uh and just uh, hoping we see a, another tick or two in that fastball that also stays consistent i think those would be all fantastic signs um that might be too rosy of a picture maybe that's like a 90th percentile mm-hmm. christian mania in double a um but if he if that happens then you know major league baseball you know innings would be mm-hmm. very much in play um again i don't think that's really you know in his future right now um but he's been really impressive um but um yeah, I think he's the best pitcher in 
the uh, in Birmingham right now. Um, I think he's outside of outside of um, Noah Schultz. He might be number two um, overall. I know some people like Sean Burke a bit more. Um, I just think that's just because Burke is older, um, so a bit more polished. I'm going to speak for Darren here. When we were 18 or 19 years old, a swift breeze or one swing and miss would have just blown us off of the mound. So, yes, the conditioning yes. <laughs> uh, will help, uh, and, and of course, and he'll look more and more like the adult pitcher and future star he is. And in case you think we just determine who to talk to by whose names are easy to pronounce, look at Christian Mena. It does look like it should be Mania. He should have that tilde there. The White Sox don't yeah, give that to us. So is it Mania? Is it Mania? I think I, if it was up to me, I would probably call him Mania. But I, 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 again, I don't have the diacritic mark to know for sure yet. So apologies to you, Christian. Yeah, Believe me, as you man. get exactly once you get more and more in the spotlight, we'll figure out, or the White Sox will. Let's face it, they're the lead here. Even though we often the tail wags the dog here, sometimes we end up leading the White Sox in terms of how you should. Uh, <laughs> diacritically mark your players, but they haven't done that yet. So we're, I'm calling him Mena and uh, Darren's calling him Mania. Uh, okay. A guy that, uh, well, here's another one. It could be summer. It could be summer. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to just call him summer, but listen, I like this guy. I know he's older than his competition, but you're still putting up the numbers. This, he seems like a sneaky guy. I mean, I understand this could just be another, I don't know if it, Avery Weems, Chase Seleski, uh, they just see, you know, you could, you could just be a guy, but the numbers have been pretty nice. He's at double A now. I understand he's, he's, when he's not in the discussion with Christian Mena or Christian Mania, uh, but <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who, who going in, I guess maybe he's like, I don't know, your fourth starter. Geez, wait a minute. That's not a bad fourth starter at double A. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he is an older, you know, college arm. This is age 24. Um, so he, his successes in a ball, uh, at 23 are kind of, you know, you, you mm-hmm. sh- should expect someone like that to be, uh, to be a bit better. Um, and you did see a significant strikeout drop, uh, between low A and high A. So that I would expect to see kind of the same thing here, uh, in double A. Um, but he's shows great command. Uh, if he can somehow, you know, get his ground ball rate to near 60%, maybe he'll make it to the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're, we're an organization of Mark Burley, so I cannot count out soft tossing lefties mm-hmm. uh, that get a lot, that get, um, you know, weak contact just, you know, out. Uh, obviously not moving as quickly as Burley did when he was drafted. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think he, he's kind of, even when the White Sox had a bunch of this pitching talent uh, in in their system, like three ish years ago, there were always. I think John Park actually might have been one of those names that it was like, oh, like, oh, he's actually doing pretty well. Or even before that, Spencer Adams, like, oh, he was actually doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of once you get up and that you know low velo gets uh, caught up with you, and maybe yeah. not really crisp breaking ball catches up with you. Um, you kind of start falling flat at that point. Uh, but he's a guy that's going to take the ball every fifth, sixth day. Um, I don't have as many worries about the number of innings a starter is going to have in Birmingham versus Charlotte, but he is, um, he, he will be a guy I can see in Charlotte and maybe stay there like a Kyle Kubot mm-hmm. four or five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then see what happens at that point. But uh, now I'm just thinking about also Tanner Banks as well. So maybe at age 30, yeah. they'll put him in the bullpen. And it'll be <laughs> yeah, that's piece. true. 
It's true. Yeah. Well, I think between us, uh, Hamster or me, or maybe both of us, we've already yoked him with Mark Burley. So it's already out there. Sorry, Tommy. <laughs> I know that's, you know, okay. The shoe size is a little bit too big, but hey, why not? The, the comp's there and we can, we can dream on it because we had Mark Burley. We got to enjoy Mark Burley and we saw that that can actually work. So, you know, who knows? Um, let's talk quickly about the pen. Uh, Darren, uh, I don't want to just call this a busted pen. It does seem to be a little bit, you know, a couple of the prominent guys are busted. But then there's also Edgar Navarro, who sort of got some, uh, I want to say he got the uh, spring training invite. Uh, He he seems to have moved, like, pretty quickly. There's something that tells me the White Sox sort of got a little bit extra eye on him than you would otherwise think. Uh, He's in that pen, and then you got, like, Caleb Freeman and – uh, 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 oh yeah, poor Luke Schilling. Um, you know, so you, I mean, again, I'm I'm not trying to be too lighthearted about the busted pen, but there are guys here who, you know, this is definitely a year where you really want to see them establish both their health and their effectiveness, so they can get back on this track. Because Schilling and uh, Freeman, for sure, are also guys at the White Sox. I mean, we remember just a couple of years ago, Getz was calling Freeman the the reliever to watch, the pitcher to watch. So I mean, these yep. guys have pedigree, and so that potentially makes a really like. Uh, you know, three arm bullpen that could be pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Edgar Navarro, um, he did get the spring training invite. He was in double A last year. Um, so he could be in Charlotte pretty quick as well. Um, but pretty much with him, he gets a lot of strikeouts, also walks a lot of people. Um, so I think that's kind of where the, the, uh, the difference is right now uh, between guys in Charlotte. They have a little bit better command um than Navarro but um he hasn't really you know pitched a ton in his in his life mm-hmm. um so we'll see you know entering year uh or full season year four or five um at age 25 we'll see if he can actually put the control together um and then yeah, yeah the the other two guys Schilling and Freeman are kind of up in the air type of type, type of guys I'm hoping Caleb Freeman it, uh, doesn't, you know, burn out kind of like the Zach Birdies and Tyler Johnson's two other guys, Ian Hamilton's three yeah. other guys that we thought were going to be at the back end of the bullpen um, and didn't work out because of injuries and they couldn't, you know, gain their control back once they came back, uh, which was all really unfortunate because they were all kind of touching 100 mm-hmm. miles per hour at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when Freeman was back last year, it wasn't good. Um, wasn't a huge amount of innings, so I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but I'm hoping, um, everything's settled down at this point. Cause if, if he looks right again, then he's a for sure top 30 prospect in the White Sox system, um, and much needed necessary kind of lots of options type of reliever yeah. that can go up and down many times, yeah. um, which we saw the White Sox trade for quite a few of guys with options. They can, yeah. um, send up and down. Um, but then the lefty there, Halen Green, your TCU guy, <laughs> oh, he, he might be the down. top lefty on the team. Uh, Darren, you know I'm disavowing old Halen Green a little bit, but hey, Halen, come on, pitch well, and and you know uh, I'll be forgotten. Anyhow, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, Horn Frog Power. Uh, thanks, thanks for that lead in. Uh, it's Sharon. We don't, we don't get to do it very often. Go Evan Scoog, Scow, Scoog, Scow, Scow. Go Evan Scow. Uh, come on. Um, all right. Well, listen, um, 
This has been our Birmingham Barons uh, podcast only, audio only preview. Uh, this runs along with Darren's uh, actual print preview on Southside Sox. So enjoy that as well. I'm sure you got into more players and more detail than maybe we even did here on the podcast. And for those of you, you know, of course, not able to see us, you know, I'm just here lounging in, you know, 80 degrees, you know, by the pool, being a slob, just hanging out. And, you know, Darren, to his credit, as he's been talking to me and staying focused, he's been underneath the, the kerosene generator trying to get his uh, camera working. He's been powering through this. So he's got his ream of stats on one side and he's got his tools on the other. It just didn't work out this time around. So it's not on YouTube, but maybe by the time uh, the weekend rolls around uh, and we run our single A previews, which will be uh, going up at the end of next week, um, or at the end of the week, as uh, opening day is uh, coming up this Friday. Uh, maybe we'll have uh, we'll be back on YouTube or not. You know, you'll just not get to see his cool caps. What can you say? You know, I mean, you're going to be deprived whatever cap he comes up with. But uh, uh, capless or not, um, a little bit um, um, dusty and dirty from the the generator or not, uh, Darren. I appreciate you uh, muscling through this and uh, dropping some knowledge on us. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Hopefully, you know, one of these two teams goes to the playoffs for the first time in a little bit. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, my God, yes. How about this? Just how about closer to 500? How about not 30 games below 500? These last couple of Philly years have been, I don't say repulsive, but my, and I know it's not about the record, but God, wouldn't it just be nice to see 500? They could say, oh, hey, they won as many as they lost. Good Lord. If they wait, if they finished 500 this year as an organization, we would be going apeshit. We'd be, we'd be oh, saying, yeah. we'd be like this. They are. Yeah. Well, probably not going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see. That's why they play the games right there. Uh, all right. We, uh, are, we still have two more to go and they will be coming. Uh, we'll have, we'll run, um, I don't know. Canapples will be Thursday or Friday as we, uh, run right up to, uh, opening night on Friday and, uh, Winston-Salem will be, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll get them out there for you. Don't worry. Uh, but this is, uh, our Birmingham and uh, a lot of knowledge. Thank you, Darren. And, uh, well, we got more coming for you as we will have sock pop on the farm, farm, uh, pretty much all summer long. Darren can't avoid it. It's a lifetime contract. We've already gone through the paperwork <laughs> and all the, 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 the fine print. And we're trying to get him out of it, but he just he just can't. So he's got to keep showing up. Whatever cap he chooses, he's got to keep showing up. So, hey, until I call on you next, until I snap fingers and clap next, Darren, <laughs> enjoy your time <laughs> off. And we'll be back together real soon. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs>